Black Female Project. This is Leslie Stovall, your guest host for the Black Female Project podcast. Learn more about our work at www.blackfemaleproject.org. Hi, I'm Leslie Stovall, and we're at the Black Female Project, and our next interviewee is Fern Stroud. We call her Black Charm. A gifted musician and IT software development project manager, Fern's life work is to bridge the gap between business, art, and community. Her vision has been realized through successful partnership, board service, and other initiatives, including production of Black Vines, a toast to Black wineries and diverse art. Fern earned a BS in computer information systems and completed a software development internship at National Aeronautic and Space Administration, that's NASA to you, in Palo Alto. And she currently manages big data-related efforts in Silicon Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Fern Stroud. Leslie Stovall, how are you? Very good. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. And your full name? Fern A. Stroud. And how old are you? I am 40 years old. Hometown? Berkeley, California. And where'd you live by? Wow. Um, just love. Just love. Yeah. And uh, who's your Shiro? I know you have a lot, but just pick, pick one. Shiro's. Gosh, that's a good question. I think probably one of the strongest heroes would be my mom. That's a blessing. Yeah, that's she's, a blessing. Uh, she's been pretty solid, a solid character, like very strong character. Giving you character. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So now, you know Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah, I'm familiar. What four black females would you put on Mount Rushmore? Wow, I have to narrow down the four, huh? Yeah, you got to narrow it down the four. Oh, gosh. Harriet Tubman. Okay. Uh, just because the freedom fighting and the strong, with the strength, the ability to persevere. She's an entrepreneur, too. Now, I was going to get to the entrepreneurs as well. Um, Mary McLeod Bethune. That was one of the first black women that I learned about in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And I was intrigued by the story and then how you get a whole college named after you. So, um, and she was she and Eleanor Roosevelt worked together. Wow, you know, learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd probably have to get into like activism and artists or authors. Um, so I'd probably say Maya Angelou because of the amount of people that she touched with her words and the healing process that she was able to ignite through words for people. Um, and then I guess Zora Neale Hurston was oh, one yeah. of my like. Yeah. Reading, what was that? Their eyes were watching God? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Zora Neale Hurston was a, a, an author in the Black Renaissance, and she and uh, Langston Hughes used to be friends, but then there's a little conflict over a play that they both read, wrote, and she, the credit wasn't given where credit was mm. due. I'll just leave it like that. But mm. I, I find her an original voice. Her artistry was something that I read probably junior high in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is deep. She's interesting. Oh, very, yeah. very much so. Yeah. So tell me about your, your corporate endeavors. Oh, wow. Because um, you're in tech. I am. And that's typically, uh, typically people look at tech and think it's male and white or Asian. Yeah, or Indian. Indian. Well, um, Indians. Yeah, in, 
all, yeah, all Southeast Asian, Asia. Yeah. Tech is uh, a very non-diverse place in, in some arenas. However, uh, my endeavors have uh, have always put me as the only black woman in the room. How do you account for that? Um, honestly, my mother is the one who got me into tech. Mm -hmm. um, unbeknownst to her, she used to bring home computers from school. So in elementary schools, we had these huge computers. And over the summer, they didn't want people to steal them. So they would ask teachers, could you take the, the computers home over the summer? Your mother was a teacher. Yeah, she was a teacher in Berkeley. For, she taught what grade? She taught elementary school. So second and third grade primarily. And actually was the first black female teacher in Berkeley. What, what, what school did she teach? Um, I believe she started at Oxford Elementary. She started at Whittier, Jefferson. Um, Is this South Berkeley? All over Berkeley. All over Berkeley. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she used to bring the computers home over the summer. And you I were, you were fascinated? And, yeah, I, I, will, I, I used to like taking stuff apart and putting it back together. And then in those days, the computer hackers were like, that was a big, that was a big deal. So if you can hack into a computer, you were like, cool, for me. So are you saying on camera, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I just, I just know who. Those, You've heard of these uh, things. Yeah, I know, I know those people, but yeah. I don't do that. I manage projects. Have I you ever been that. to the Ukraine? Absolutely not. Okay. I do have Ukrainian friends. Though, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, be, just being in tech, uh, it's it's been very interesting. You know, I've I've gotten used to being the only person that looks like me in the room in the space. Um, oftentimes being a representative uh, of not just black women, of black people, period. I'm probably the only black do you, person. Do you, you really feel you take that on? Yeah. I mean, and it's not like I want to. It's just that is their only experience oftentimes with someone who looks like me. So in the beginning, I used to be a little intimidated by that. Why? Um, because I felt it was a lot of responsibility and I didn't want to reinforce stereotypes but then i really stopped giving caring about fulfilling the stereotype and just being myself um and that's proven to be the best thing going for me because uh you know color is skin deep but it it sure matters when it's the first thing you see so right, right. um it's quite interesting but, but you must be just totally consumed with the IT thing. I mean, you must just love it. You know, what I, what I like about it is the opportunities that you see on the horizon. So I was an intern at Cal. I used to work at Cal over the summers in the computer department. Mm. And um, I was telling people about the internet in 95, 94 and 95. And they were like, what's that? And it's like, get yeah. internet, whatever. I said, you're going to start doing a lot more. You're going to start, like, eventually buying stuff and giving a lot of information. Because back in, in the early 90s, people were scared of computers. Like, you didn't put information in computers that your own personal information. Right. So they, they thought it was extremely foreign and it was never going to happen. I was like, just watch in time. You know, things are really going to evolve. There's this thing called e-commerce right. that's really about to kick off. And it's going to be, like, purchasing stuff through the internet, and like mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were like, I'm not purchasing stuff off the internet. Now, oh, yeah. Amazon is king. I, I was one of them. 
I have to say, because I, I, I didn't, my vision wasn't there, so I, I didn't see it, but I, yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, she was wrong. Yeah. But it so was. where'd you get that vision? Well, that foresight. Just being in it puts you on top of what's coming next. Like being in the industry right. allows you the kind of foresight because you're in it. Right. So we're working on those things, trying to make, Projections. trying to prove those concepts are doable. So we were doing that, uh, gosh, long, long, long time ago. And you said, this is the ticket. Yeah. Well, you know, I knew I knew it would be money in it, but I had no idea it would take off to the. It's like the industrial revolution. To it me. is. It is absolutely amazing that there are people who are making rock star money in tech. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's necessary. You know, it's uh, it makes things smarter, faster, more adaptable. What's the downside? The uh, <laughs> the disconnection with reality is you're in your own world, huh? Yeah. Well, you get to create your world, right? Online, you get to be whoever you want to be. And they used to call that schizophrenia. <laughs> I'm sure they call it a lot of stuff. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, even even like Revenge of the Nerds, it's like these were the outcasts, and now they they're still introverted people okay. that just are making all the money. Right. So, you know, they still have to readjust or right. not. Right. But the crazy thing now is all the kids who are like getting addicted to this instant gratification and they aren't able to create relationships. Like building solid personal disappointments oh. or setbacks. What? It doesn't work? I have to do something? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit of work. So now, how do you navigate that as a black female? Because you're you're loquacious and you sociable. Know, I just put reality against the and humanity against things. Like the whole point of what I do um, now is I'm a bridge. I'm a bridge to allow the people that are doing technical work to be able to speak to the business side of the house, the marketing folks the product managers, right. the yeah. people who want not just the zeros and ones to do what they're supposed to do over here, but how does the computing and, and programming and software development and platform build out stuff that you're working on, how does that actually equate to a business case? How is that going to make something valuable to our end users? How, how did you become be able to straddle both sides? Because that's two different ways of thinking. Um, that's an excellent question. Thank I you. think it's it comes from a a, a lot of different uh, experiences. I've played on teams, um, so I play basketball and softball, um, baseball, and all that good stuff. So, understanding that as a team, you have to communicate things to different people in different ways. That's right. As a musician, you have to interpret music and have an ear. You know, listen. Yeah, totally. And then. Um, just working with people, you, you get an insight on what makes people tick. Like I can look at someone and and see how they understand what it is that I'm saying, what words they open up to, what words they kind of shy away from. Mm-hmm. And that then allows me the ability to tailor my message 
to specifically get them appropriate. Tailor your message. That's so important because that's what you have to do. You got to tailor your message. I learned that in communications. I know you did. Communications 101 was you have to tailor your message to the audience that you're trying to reach. So and no you matter. You have to know who your audience is. Yeah. But, but you know, one thing I learned in Tom 101, okay, here's a message. I'm sending a message and somebody's going to receive it. Mm -hmm. But what happens in between, you know, I, I have no control of that. Yeah. So you have to make your message very clear. Mm, yes, absolutely. Because that little box in there, all that interpretation, it's not just about what you're saying. It's about their experiences and how their experience shape the words that are coming out of your mouth into what they're hearing. So how do you vote in a, a multicultural environment, in a corporate environment? How do you tailor your message? I get to know the people I'm talking to. Yeah. It's about and relationships, isn't it's it? It's building relationships. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's lacking in this world of digital immediate gratification. So building relationships and solid relationships and meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. Letting people know that you care about them. And it all circles back to that thing that I kind of live by, which is love. You got to love people, but you got to love yourself, you know, and not be intimidated, not be um, threatened, just be you. Now, do you find, you're, you're an outgoing person, in fact, Black Charm is it your nickname, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> if I go out here and say, hey, if anybody say Black Charm, oh yeah. <laughs> I hope, I hope it's not Black Charm, but hey, you know, just something we coined up. But, I mean, you, you have a personality is what I'm saying. And, like, and a lot of tech is not a lot of that there. Does, no. Do they get intimidated? They, they say, what's wrong with her? No, not at all. You make people feel comfortable. Right, right. You know, it's literally reading your audience and figuring out how do you make a personal connection with everybody that you deal with. And that's what I really want to do. I want to make like meaningful personal relationships with people. Now, what what advice would you give to young black kids, women trying to get into tech? Because first of all, that's what they hear. They know black women in tech, da, 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 da. Instead of like promoting that victim stuff, how about this is what you need to do? Yeah. Right? Amen. Amen. The, the, the first thing is finding what you're passionate about. Yeah. I agree with you. If you're doing something that you love, then you're you've already you're ahead of the game. knocked out probably sixty percent of the people that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. There is there is a job in tech for anything that you love to do. Any occupation that you love to do, there is a job in tech that will match that. So find um, your passion. And then the tech the tech is everywhere. It's pervasive. If you love if you love cooking, you can be in tech. Yeah. There's uh, people in tech gotta eat. That is such good advice. Yeah. So just you find your passion, and then you you tailor whatever it is that you enjoy and that you're good at. Yeah. And then find where you match the tech to that, and it's um, that's what I would say. And build relationships, foster relationships. Um, when you meet somebody, don't let that be the only time that you meet them. Right, right. Follow up. And, and you're familiar with the STEM program? Oh, yeah. Do, do you think that's effective? Uh, I think it's effective in allowing people to learn about tech, but the skills that you need 
to be in tech are all learned on the job. Like you can have, wow. you can ha- all you need is the aptitude. So, so you have to be good at math. Or logic. Or logic. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you don't have to be a mathematician if you're not gonna be a, a data scientist in creating algorithms. And even in that, if you have the, the logic piece of it, mm-hmm. you can still have that title because you'll be able to interpret data in a different manner. Right. So it's literally about, um, first you need that STEM foundation to get on a level playing field. Right. But once you understand like the foundation, um, anything that you do, you don't have to be an expert at all of that. Do, do, do you think that tech is more merit-based than other industries? The reality about tech is who you know. It's like anything else. Who you know and can you do the job that you're saying? Because it's even if you can't. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, you can fake it real good in tech. In tech? Oh, man. Google, the way that you could Google things now, half of the programming is already there. Open source. Oh, yeah. Open source programming, like collaborative programming, the stuff where you can go on GitHub and just go look at somebody's code and say, oh, well, you take that and then you, so you have a goal of what you want your, what you want your code to do. Right. You have somebody who's, who has code out there that's done something similar and then you take that code and you play around with it until it does what you want it to do. How'd you learn that? Because I had to actually do the code. My point. What a long my time point. ago. Now coding is so much easier than when I learned. My first line of code was, gosh, uh, Pascal. This was uh, on the green screen in 93. I remember green screen. Just the way that tech has evolved has been mind-blowing. It's amazing to me. So let me ask you, because just personal edification. You know how like they're trying to do all these driverless cars? And like my 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 assumption of that is that all they're trying to do is data mine. They want all your data. Um, well, the data mining is already happening. No, I understand, but the car is a computer, and all these companies that their driving habits, all these insurance companies, all these people. Are you kidding me? I drive a a twenty year old Honda, and I, I will drive it until it dies because nobody's tracking me with anything. Well, you got you got okay, so. Break it down, you, you're girl. bringing it. You're bringing it into like the core technology. Yes. So there's 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 two pieces in this, from my understanding. You know, you have the artificial intelligence uh-huh. and the machine learning uh-huh. piece. So that is the ability for the car to learn a mistake once it's done it, so it won't do it again. That's machine learning. Once the machine learns something, it self corrects the next time that happens. Right. Artificial intelligence is all the data from everything that you've had ever happen before. We can program it into the thing to say, okay, we've built this brain based on a brain dump that someone has given it. So you brain dump all the information it needs to get started and then the machine learns and self-corrects. Now the other piece of it is now these cars become basically a database that's what i'm talking about everywhere you go mm-hmm. um what you listen to that's right when you if connect you stop your phone, stop signs when you connect your phone the route that you're going all of that stuff then becomes collections of data points but those data points are being collected regardless the reality is you know the data is there 
Mm-hmm. And in most cases, it's there to do good. Like it's trying to make things smarter, faster, uh, make people more lazy. And stupid. Because um, people don't think. They don't have to know anything. They just Google something. I mean, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. The, the, um, the lack of self and original knowledge. thinking. Yeah, like trying to make yourself better um, is concerning. But I think we'll, we'll we'll start correcting. We'll start our machine learning as human beings, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Right. Fern, um, you are fascinating and you're very unique for being in the tech industry and, and being so, I don't want to be trite, technical. <laughs> no, I mean it. I mean it seriously. And, and like young people could learn from you because like basically you're very focused and you're into doing what you're doing. And even for me, you made tech a little less imposing, you know? That's what it should be. It, it shouldn't be intimidating. Tech is out there. Yeah. And uh, we have to embrace it. And I Do I come it. off a little anti-tech? Um, just a smidgen. But well, no, but you use tech in everything you're doing. So you, you're not anti-tech. I know. I, 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 don't, let it, don't let it punk you. I use it every day. Yeah, don't, let don't, it, let, don't let that tech punk you. Punk that tech back. There you go. And I love it. First job. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Black Female Project. And there are more women like this than you, you'll be meeting very soon. I'm Leslie Stovall. Thank you so much. Black Female Project. Thank you for listening to the Black Female Project podcast. Black Female Project works to positively impact the wellness and professional experience of black women. We celebrate women who thrive at work and share their stories with the girls coming behind us. Learn more at www.blackfemaleproject.org. Follow us on social media at Black Female Project. This is Leslie Stovall. Thanks for listening to the Black Female Project podcast.